Hi, this is Dan. And this is Joe. And this is Enough Room. Okay, hold on. So, our last episode where we, you know, we're talking about, I think, the shift. And I still believe that there has been a shift mm. in the church. Mm. Um, and, you know, just not only acknowledging that shift, but also acknowledging the people who have continued to and still are pushing boundaries yeah. uh, within the church. And not only uh, pushing boundaries, but also, um, you know, being kind and welcoming and affirming mm. of um, the LGBTQ plus community or mm. other minority groups. And I think that really is just so encouraging to remember that and to see that happening um, and, um, and, and yeah, I think just to, to remind ourselves just how far we have come. Mm. Um, I think it was a powerful episode. Yeah. Um, anyway, so all of that happened, but at the same time, um, <laughs> another conversation started coming up and that's the, um, the, there's a bill, there's a law, mm. um, that may actually be passed this week, if not next, um, in the state of Victoria here in Australia. Mm. Now, what this law, what this bill will do is basically ban conversion therapy practices mm. or conduct mm -hmm. within the state of Victoria. Um, and obviously, it's generated a lot of um, discussion and pushback mm. from a lot of our religious communities. Yes. Um, there was a letter that was sent to the premier uh, of uh, Victoria, Dan Andrews, um, basically outlining, this is from a list of churches, basically outlining their stance, I guess, in terms of their opposition mm. to this bill. And their concerns with the bill. And it was, it was sent from a, a range of religious communities. Um, it wasn't just Christians. Uh, it was Christians um, and Muslims and um, Hindu and, um, you know, a, a quite a, a range of religions um, and, and backgrounds. Um, so it wasn't just the Christian church. Mm. Um, however, I think the Christian church was a, a large, very large portion um, of, of the people who, who I guess, um, signed on to this letter. Um, and and I guess especially for us, for Dan and myself being um, Seventh-day Adventist Christians, mm -hmm. it was even more disappointing to see um, at the end of the letter uh, the first signature or the first um, organization to put their stamp of approval mm -hmm. on this letter um, is the Victorian Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. Mm, um, it's there with our logo and everything. Yeah, it's it was just so disappointing mm. to see that. Um, and we got thinking, we were like, you know, why is there so much pushback to this from the religious mm. right? And I guess we all know why. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it also, um, it, it also made me quite frustrated. Mm. Absolutely frustrated because we know what conversion therapy does mm. and how many lives have been lost yeah. due to conversion therapy. Yeah. And to then write a letter, sign it, put your official denominational stamp on it, mm. you might as well be putting your denominational stamp and your signature 
on a death certificate mm. because a lot of times that's what this leads to mm. And, and if not, it's a it's a lifelong hurt and a lifelong hmm. um, road to recovery from from those practices. Yeah, and absolutely right. It, it is a long road if you're lucky enough to um, to see the light. I guess mm. um, it is a very long road, but it's still a very damaging, mm. damaging. Um, ideology to have mm. um and yeah i i just saw it and i was yeah i was just taken mm. aback i was like wow and i think it's interesting how many of the um because i mean i've seen other posts from um from friends or at least people who used to be friends um who were so proud of this letter and so proud of their church for standing up against something that was going against religious freedom and um, and and who were, um, I guess, sharing all these concerns and ideas. And, and I mean, I was even reading the post thinking, oh, if that's what the bill is doing, then yes, there is room, you know, there is reason for concern. Um, but I think a lot of that just comes from misinformation. And I think that's what's also really been difficult to see is that these highly respected people within our organization pastors youth leaders are sharing this information about this bill suggesting that it is ultimately going to be a precedent for restricting religious freedom and people are just hearing that and running with it they're not going to look into it for themselves they're not going to actually research what the bill is really about and what the bill really says they're just going to take them at their word and and if this bill is passed they're going to feel like their religious freedom is being encroached upon um and i think that is what um, frustrates me is that we as a people put so much trust and faith in our church leaders and our pastors that we won't question what they say we won't actually go and do our own research whether that's um i mean that's a bigger issue than this whether that be on our you know theological beliefs or whether that be on commentary on society and what's happening in society we just take our leaders at their word and we don't actually fact check I guess we don't go and actually research for ourselves. And, and it was disheartening to just see how many people were liking and loving these posts from, from these pastors who were sharing um, their, I believe, genuine concerns, but misinformed hmm. um, and, and, and not understanding the actual implications of the bill and why it exists. Which is really scary when you think about it. Mm. Because the church has so much influence when it comes to the day-to-day -day lives of people who go to church. Mm. Um, Christians like you and I. And it's just so scary that we have people who are so disconnected mm. with reality, mm. with the world that they they can't even see what they're doing it's mm. yeah it's it's just so mind-boggling when mm. you think about it now the bill seeks to affirm a few things we obviously won't go through the whole bill and we don't really we're not really 
experts on the law. Mm. <laughs> um, but what we've tried to do is read a bit about it. Um, there's also a fact sheet that um, I'll put the link for that fact sheet um, in our Instagram bio. So just click on that and it'll take you to a fact sheet regarding this particular bill. Um, but in summary, the bill basically seeks to do a few things. One, it's to affirm a person's sexual orientation or their gender identity. Um, and that it's not broken and in need of fixing. Mm. Um, it seeks to affirm that no sexual orientation or gender identity constitutes a disorder, disease, illness, deficiency, or shortcoming. Uh, and also to affirm that change or suppression practices are deceptive and harmful to the person subject to the change or suppression practices mm. and to the co- to the community as a whole Mm. and especially on that last point where it it says that um you know it is damaging and harmful it is deceptive not only to the person who's subject to it but to the community as a whole and again it's mind-boggling that the church doesn't seem to see the statistics Mm. the church doesn't seem to see what's happening in the community like i I just don't know where to start. Mm. It's it's mind-boggling. And I think, I mean, especially especially now, I struggle, I really struggle to see how the church can be so oblivious to this sort of thing. We just recently have had a royal commission into um, abuse that has happened in the church and that has been hidden by the church for decades. Um and that went on for months, for years. Or, or, and after all that, it was shown that the churches had been negligent and that they had not fulfilled their duty to look after it, their people. Um, and that so many times the church had swept under the rug this lifelong damage that had been done to its members, to its most vulnerable members. And yet, despite that, having just happened a few years ago and having that, I guess I would have hoped to raise the awareness that the church has been hiding things and, and practicing things that, that have been damaging to people and they have not been aware of it and they have not been acknowledging it. Despite that having just happened now, they're not, they haven't learned from that. They haven't learned that they need to actually investigate how their practices affect people. And and when people come back and say that they have been hurt by the church or say that they have been abused by the church, why has the church not learned that they actually need to investigate that and look into that and, and, and research and understand how their practices have affected people and that it's no longer appropriate to sweep that under the rug and to hide that away and pretend it doesn't exist? Whenever there's anything that happens, let's say um, Islamic extremist does something or says something on the news, everyone tends to be up in arms to denounce it. Mm. Yet when Christians, we as Christians, say damaging things or promote damaging practices, we don't get called out for it. Mm. Or if we do, then we start claiming religious persecution. Mm. Because as far as I can see it, conversion therapy is just as damaging as any other extremist view out there. Mm. 
people die because of this mm. lives are damaged lives are torn apart because of this mm. and that's why i guess we're so passionate about this today you might be thinking did they have way too much coffee this morning <laughs> no neither of us have actually had coffee this morning so <laughs> imagine what it would be like if we had coffee <laughs> Um, but yeah, it is damaging, and I, and mm. it, it's funny because even when I say that it's, uh, you know, to believe in conversion therapy or to even promote the idea that it's a actual science, mm. um, to say that that is extremist and radical, even myself, like inside, I'm like taking a step back and going, "Whoa, Joe, pull mm. back a bit, pull back a bit," but no. Mm. We have to start being honest about this. And this mm. is, from what I've read in regards to this bill, this is what this bill actually does. Mm. In my opinion, it seems to be very honest about the realities mm. of what conversion therapy is. I found it interesting, um, just looking at the letter that um, these religious leaders wrote to um, the premier, uh, the first point on their letter talks about, um, I guess, their opposition to um, the change in definition when it comes to sexual orientation, claiming that it replaces uh, them with uh, contentious ideological constructions. So you might be asking, what is this definition in the bill? In the bill, the definition is as follows. Sexual orientation means a person's emotional, affectional, and sexual attraction to or intimate or sexual relations with persons of a different gender or the same gender or more than one gender. And looking at the definition, I'm actually pretty happy with that. There's nothing I can take away from that. Mm. Because when we look at sexuality, it's not just who you have sex with, which is the way the church sees it. Mm. It's about your emotional, affectional attractions. Mm. You know, it's more than just sex. Mm. And it's interesting that that is the first thing the church has a problem with. Yeah, Because as long as the church can talk about sex, it doesn't have to talk about some of the more important issues, mm. the emotional damage that it is causing. It doesn't have to talk about all of the other issues mm. if it can just keep a spotlight on sex. Mm. And I think that that is partly maybe because they realize that the only the only ground that they have to stand on is their interpretation of these verses that they believe prohibit sexual relationships between two people of the same gender. They know that there is nothing biblical that speaks against two people of the same gender having close emotional or um, relational, you know, connection. Um, and so I think that was probably one reason why they're afraid of that change of definition, because they can no longer reduce someone's sexuality down to... A physical act um, and and they don't have an argument against anything except that physical act I think it's it's an interesting time to be alive um, especially with everything that's happening in the world and you would think that considering all of the challenges in the world today the church would choose a different hill to die on mm. 
But this is the hill it's chosen. Mm. I'm still waiting for the church to put out a letter with its logo. I'm, I'm actually looking at the list of churches right now, and I'm waiting for all of them to come out with a letter or a logo um, speaking up for disfranchised minorities, mm. speaking up for indigenous people mm. and how they've been displaced in this country, speaking up for basically the down and out in society. Mm. Where is their letter to our political leaders about mm. those things? Speaking out for Black Lives Matter. Mm. Where is their letter to our political leaders? Mm. Nothing. Silence. And I feel like the, the church has really missed an opportunity here because they have chosen to focus on themselves in this whole situation. They are only looking at how they believe this impacts them. They have shown no acknowledgement that what they have done in the past has caused hurt and harm to people and even led some to suicide. They have not acknowledged that and they have not taken this opportunity to, I guess, re-examine themselves and ask, is there something that we're doing wrong? Instead of, instead of taking this as an opportunity to maybe refocus, because ultimately this bill is not, there's nothing, although they like to use this as an argument, there's nothing in this bill about saying what they can and can't believe and saying what they can and can't share about their beliefs. There is nothing in this bill that prevents the church from maintaining its belief that homosexuality is wrong. There is nothing in, the, in this bill that prevents the church from even sharing that they believe homosexuality is wrong. This bill is about restricting the church's ability to try and change someone's sexuality or gender identity. It's not restricting their ability to believe something about it, but it's restricting their ability to, to try and change it. And to me, I just think how... Why are you focusing on your own rights from your perspective here? As a church, why is that your focus? Why are you not taking this up as an opportunity to support this community that has been abused for so long by the church, to stand up for this community that has been hurt by the church, and to take this as, as an opportunity to, I guess, remind yourselves as a church what your focus should be, and that is sharing the love of Christ. Hmm. I mean... I kind of think, look, for those of you who know my story, you know the sort of ministry that I used to be in. And, and looking back, I can see that really it was a change ministry. Having said that, the whole time that I was in there, we would often get asked questions about that. And we always said we were not a change ministry. We were not about trying to change people. All we wanted to do was lead people to Christ. All we wanted to do was share with them the love of Christ because we believed that it was the love of Christ that would transform and change people. Now, if that's really what the church believes, if they really believe in the power of the love of Christ to change people's hearts, then why aren't they focusing on that? Why are they seeing this as hurting their ministry when there is absolutely nothing in this bill that prevents them from sharing the love of Christ with people. Hmm. I think they have, they have totally missed a wonderful opportunity for them to actually promote 
the name of, of Christ in this whole situation and, and take this as an opportunity to refocus their mission, refocus their message on what the gospel is really about. And that is the power of Christ to change people's lives. Now, how that's actually applied, from my perspective, that's up to Christ. But again, the church is is um, presuming to know what God's plan is for people's lives. They are presuming to know how Christ will transform someone. I believe the love of Christ has transformed me, but not in the way that the church would have hoped, not in the way that the church believes that he wanted to. The church believes that Christ would have transformed me into a straight man. I believe Christ has transformed me in other ways. And I think that's what the church is missing here, that they're, they're focusing so much on themselves and how they feel like they are being persecuted, how they are being restricted in this whole situation. And they're totally losing sight of the community that this bill is seeking to protect. And it, it, I just feel it, it's so sad to see that the church has lost sight of its mission to the world. Mm. What also confuses me is that the stories about suicide, self-harm, drug use, mm. and abuse within the LGBTQ plus community is everywhere. Mm. And especially for LGBTQ plus individuals who are Christian, mm. it tends to be even higher. Has the church taken the time to sit down and have a conversation mm. with us about why this might be happening. Because if, you know, if I'm feeding people the best sweet and sour dish in the world, well, in my opinion, anyway, <laughs> if, I invite, if I invite guests over and I, you know, put out sweet and sour for everyone and then they leave and eight out of the 10 of them come down with food poisoning, my first <laughs> instinct would be, what did I put in the sweet and sour? Mm. If my guests had left, instead of eight, there were only four who came down with food poisoning. I would still think what was in my sweet and sour. Did mm. that have anything to do with this? If even one person had left and gotten food poisoning, I would still think the same thing. But the fact is, a large majority of LGBTQ plus people in the church go through emotional mm. abuse, if not physical. Mm. And there are people who lose their lives. Mm. Why hasn't the church had a conversation yet? And, and they can't even claim ignorance because no. the largest and, and very, very well-known conversion therapy organizations have shut down over the past few years and they have come out and openly said that it doesn't work and that people have been harmed by what they did. So the church cannot claim to be ignorant about the realities of what this, these practices do. Maybe they haven't thought that applies to what they do. Maybe they've tried to find ways that they differ from these organizations, but what they fail to do is actually look into it. Mm. and actually research 
what was it about these practices that caused harm and are we doing the same things? Mm. Have we been doing the same things? I, I think for too long we've afforded, I guess, anything that has the label of church, a privilege that somehow means that anything it says, you know, doesn't really cause any harm because it's said out of love and that's all that matters. But I think we need to start being honest about those things. Um, who knows how this bill will go? Mm. Um, but, you know, we'll see. I'm hopeful that it'll actually pass in the current form that's it, that it's in because um, I think it'll just do so much good. Mm. Now, I know we've sort of bagged on about the church and <laughs> all of that for a bit, but I just want to also say that there are many churches, individual churches, even within our denomination, who are very affirming of the LGBTQ plus community. Mm. If you'd like to connect with one of these groups, please reach out and let us know. Mm. If you are a church who would like to be a safe space for the LGBTQ plus community, please let us know so that we can put people who are looking in touch with you. Mm. I think it's up to each of us, both individually and collectively. If you are an affirming person, if you are an accepting person, reach out to someone. Mm. Let them know. Speak out. Mm. Because... Our denomination, and I'm speaking as a Seventh-day Adventist, just put our logo and our names on a letter. Mm. And that letter does not represent me. Mm. And I know it does not represent some of our individual churches as well. Mm. And so if you are one of those people, speak out. Mm. Let people know that you are a safe space. Mm. Let people know where they can find a safe space. Mm. Doesn't have to be in a church. There was a... Um, a post on Twitter recently from I think the North American division of the Seventh-day Adventists uh, asking the questions uh, asking the question why is it that so many young people are leaving the church and someone replied it's because no one is listening mm. thanks for joining us we hope you enjoyed this episode of Enough Room we'll be dropping another episode in about a week's time so until then follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook till next time bye bye